Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 105 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Our number two of Oilers Now, Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one and owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Um you can uh, keep texting us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors providing you winning results for over 35 years. We'll get to some more texts on today's show. Uh, at this time, we are going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline and hook up with regular Thursday contributor Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Al- Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. We uh, w- uh, have Brian Burke on the show. Brian, how you doing? Bob, you just went kind of faint there on me. Well, that's rare when my booming voice goes faint. Hopefully we can stay solid with you here. There Uh, you go, yeah. Just before we get to sort of the hockey stuff, I just came across something on the wire saying that there's going to be a reboot of the show, uh, of the movie Scarface, uh, the one with Al Pacino. Uh, And I don't know if you, this this may have, you may have been finished uh, university at this point. But when I was in school in the late 80s, we used to have Al Pacino's Scarface drinking parties. And every time he uses a uh, one of those seven words that George Carlin said you couldn't say on TV, you had to have another shot. Uh, suffice to say, most guys didn't make it through the first 20 minutes of the movie. So we had all of <laughs> the... V- I, missed, I missed that. It sounds like I really missed a lot. You missed a lot, yeah. Uh, what did you guys do? Bob Newhart drinking games? Was that was that not one from the uh, the sixties and seventies? Every time somebody says hello, Bob, you have to have a shot. Did you ever do anything like that around? Or uh, with a name like Burke, I would have to think at one time or another you maybe have imbibed along the way. Oh yeah, I'm very familiar with the inside of a bar, but uh, not much for drinking games that I can remember. I'll have, okay. I'll have some of my buddies. Alrighty, okay. Uh, let's uh, let's do this. Um, I, I I've said my piece to start the show today that there might might be a little bit of light at uh, at the end of the tunnel here for the potential of a playoff. I've gone to from fifty fifty to fifty five forty five. You have been the voice of reason every step of the way, Brian. What are you hearing in this regard at this time? Well, WW uh, or UFC rather had an event last weekend. That's that's a, a breakthrough. Uh, golf is coming back. NASCAR is coming back. German soccer is opening up. These are all positive signs. These are signs. These are governments and people no less or more cautious than I am, who have said we're going to play. And to me, uh, I still have grave misgivings. I, I'm nervous about these er, uh, early openings in the states. Um, but it's moving the right way, and the league's approach is wonderful, which is if there's any way we can play, we're going to play. So my information is 
Okay, if you look at the spectrum of things we could do, number one would be we could finish the regular season. My information is that ain't going to happen. Right. Those games are gone forever. And I've already got a refund offer from the Toronto Maple Leafs for the games that were missed. So then I think the league's first preference and everyone in hockey's first preference would be a 24-team playoff with short play-ins for the teams that were in the hunt. My guess is that's going to go by the board. It hasn't yet. But that's too many teams and too many venues. I think it's just too hard to do. Okay. Too many athletes to worry about, too many uh, situations to control. So now you're down to a 16-team playoff, normal playoff. Right. And I think that's going to be problematic, too, before we get done, and we'll end up with eight. But they're shooting for all the right things, and they, if they can make some of these things happen, great. I think your best bet is a 16-team playoff with uh, two hubs. And uh, if not, then an eight-team playoff with one hub. And I'll take any of those. I won't take fewer than eight. If there's less than three rounds, there's an asterisk. But, You're good. Bob, one thing. Yep. I would say this. While they wait for all this stuff to sort out and see if they can preserve this season, which I admire, they had better make sure they ensure the t- integrity of the 2021 season. In other words, yeah, we can play this out late until the fall. I mean, at some point, we got to get back to a conventional hockey schedule. So could we start in January for next year? Yeah, but then at some point, it's got to come back around. So I would like assurances that 2021 is fully secured, full integrity of the schedule, everything's ready, and then back it down and figure out if we can play this year. Does it matter that the league has a premier like John Horgan in B.C.? basically openly endorsing this and endorsing the league to play games there? Well, I just did my my Vancouver radio hit this morning, and he was on right after I am. I didn't hear it, but I know the pitches that they'd go to a bunch of regional centers like Kamloops and, you know, beautiful places, but Victoria. Right. But I, I don't know how that helps the league in terms of maintaining – the back-of-house amenities they want for NHL buildings and the hotel facilities immediately adjacent to the arenas, which is, I think, the number one priority. Can you can you walk or have a two-minute bus ride with a closed roadway to get the athletes from the hotel they're in to the, the venue competition? And that, to me, is going to be number one. So that says NHL to me. Yeah. Um... And obviously, the, the the situation and the information they have on how COVID is in that respective community is going to matter a lot. And, Brian, if they do play, you would have to think if they go to two, let's just say they theoretically go to two, the league goes to two, would it not make sense to have one of the two in Canada just to capitalize on uh, the Canadian dollar? That'd be cheaper. Yes, yes it would. But to me, look. We're, we're a ways away from that. So the steps they would have to take is, first off, they got to get the Euros back because they'll do a 14-day quarantine on them. So the fact that they haven't gotten Europeans on planes yet means right. they don't think anything's changing soon. Then they, as, as the different jurisdictions open, the practice facilities will become open for small groups, as they have in Ontario here. But assistant coaches have to wear gloves and masks, uh, no more than four players on the court slash ice at one time. like very strict restrictions and then training camp and then uh you play games hopefully at any point in time this could get upset um i do not like the early reopenings in the states i think we're gonna have a second spike yeah but they're uh 
there's not an adequate testing, and it's not accurate enough. Like, you look at the White House testing, they're saying at best, even the company that makes these tests saying at best, 15% failure rate. So out of 100 players, 15 would test wrong. You get a negative that you're not positive, and then you find out later that indeed you had the virus. That's not acceptable. And they're saying they test sample that a newspaper did and said it was closer to half wrong. So there's an issue even with what testing we have. Is it accurate? Can we rely on it? The answer is no. So the only way it makes sense to play is if the athletes on both teams have tested and they're all negative. Otherwise, yeah. you've got to quarantine people. And the UFC had a negative test. They took that athlete out of competition and went right ahead. I'm not sure health authorities are going to allow that all the time. Yeah, it's going to be intriguing to see what happens moving forward here, whether or not uh, a special caveat is put in place from the prime minister's office, uh, from President Trump that allows, and maybe they waive the 14-day quarantine. I mean, we're, we're talking a month to six weeks down the road here. We're not talking something in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you're obviously aware that Western Canada, uh, certainly B.C., uh, Red Deer North, Calgary, unfortunately, and has had some challenges, but their numbers are starting to drop a bit in Calgary, too. Like Western Canada is maybe in a little bit different position, which would put Edmonton and Vancouver uh, hot and heavy in the mix if we could get started. But there's a wild card, and they know a lot about cards, and that's Vegas. And Vegas knows how to get events like this, don't they, Brian? And they're willing to spend some money, historically speaking. I'm talking about the city of Vegas. Like, they know how to bring in uh, large-scale events. Yeah, and they could, do, they could do a campus. They could take a block right on the strip, directly across the street from the rink, and provide hotel rooms at different floor for each team, segregated, assign an elevator to each team, uh, you could have the team in a quarantine situation, eat in a different room than the other team. They've got the, they could do 16 teams there easily, in within two blocks of the rink. If you close down the strip, they could walk to the rink. So there's some advantages there. I mean, in Edmonton, great uh, healthcare has been great. The rates are down low and of infection and disease and death. Uh, not that many hotel rooms right immediately adjacent to the rink. Um, so we'll see. I don't know where they're going to go with it, but it, it, it comes down to testing. And again, I just I can't see 24 teams. I'm having a hard time seeing 16. But God bless the league for pushing ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, would you be concerned if we did have a return to play? Some have suggested the players might have to wear uh, masks, like they do in NCAA hockey. And Brian, I'm going to be up front with you, and I know you play in the NCAA. Uh, but you played in a very different time in the NCAA. I, I mean, I watched it a couple of years ago when Todd McClellan's son was playing at Denver uh, in, the, in the semifinals, and every time somebody touched a, a player, it was a five-minute major for, you know, a head check or whatever, and uh, they got the full, the, the, the full uh, shield on, and, I mean, would we be would we, would we be looking at no fighting as an example and not giving the players, I mean, how dramatically, theoretically, could we be looking at a different type of hockey if we are indeed able to get back, if not this year, at some point next season? Well, the full cage that, that NHL players wear, college kids wear a steel cage. It's no no use at all against the virus. Right. And if you wear the, the, the glass cage, it's the got bubble. massive breathing holes in the lower half of the mask. Yeah. So I don't see the mask making any difference. If you tested all the 40 players and they're all negative and you've got good testing you can rely on, then there shouldn't be a prohibition about face masks or fighting. You can't 
you can't it's not contagious if one person can't transmit it to another through fighting or spitting or swearing or yelling then it doesn't matter so no i don't see that as a factor Okay. Uh, we're joined by uh, Brian Burke uh, every Thursday in orders now for Canadian Power Pack. Brian, of course, a uh, longtime NHL executive now with NHL Hockey on Rogers. And it'll obviously be a boon for your network because uh, we got an entire generation of Oilers fans that's, get, that's had a chance to watch the 87 and 88 Edmonton Oilers uh, playoff runs and route to Stanley Cups 3 and 4. But I think we'd all like to get back to live play. One of the things that we've seen over the last uh, several weeks here, Brian, is also Last Dance, uh, which is about Michael Jordan. And I think the biggest thing that surprised people is his level of competitiveness and how driven he was. And maybe it didn't surprise everybody out there, but I think it has surprised some. So the question I have for you, in all the years that you managed, give me a couple of your most competitive, driven players. I would say Chris Pronger is right at the top of that list. I would say Dion Phaneuf. Is right at the top of that list. I'd say Pat Verbeek is right at the top of that list. The little. Uh, I'd start there. Trevor Linden, maybe. Okay, well let's uh, let's go to the little ball of hate, Pat Verbeek. I mean that guy played forever. Did he not rip up his finger in a farming accident and then get it so? Yeah. He went and grabbed the finger out of the. Was it a silo or? I forget what happened, but <laughs> he grabbed the finger. I think and it was. It. I think it was his thumb, and it was a potato bin. Okay. And I think and he, he went and they grabbed the thumb out of the potato bin and started driving to the hospital and they reattached it. But yeah, Pat Verbeek uh, scored a lot of goals, played a lot of years, but he was a mean, mean, like not very big, but a mean guy. And then if he didn't want to fight, he'd spear you. He's, he was tough. And he was highly competitive. And love yep. to win. Uh, we had Chris Pronger here. We saw how he elevated the Oilers that season. Uh, I mean, him and Jason Smith, uh, you played against them that year in round three. Uh, by the way, uh, I know we talked about this. Uh, we had Chopper on Ethan Morrow, and he said, Bob, we had to get out of game five in Anaheim, or we might have lost that series. We had so much illness. But you ended up getting Pronger in the offseason. We all know the story there with you and Kevin Lowe. But how did he change the complexion of your team when he went there? Well, it was kind of the cherry on the Sunday. You know, it was like we had a really good team. We played in the conference final the year before, and our, you know, our, our kids were like, like we had really good kids coming, and we had size, and we had ugliness, and it was just kind of like the cherry. Like we get him, we're like, okay, so one of these two guys, him or Niedermeyer, will be on the ice all the time. Yeah. His partner was Sean O'Donnell. Scotty's partner was Francois Beauchemin. And that's a pretty good top four. So just kind of the cherry on the t- on the Sunday there. Yeah, three uh, pretty tough guys as well. Because when Pronger decided to fight, in fact, I think one time with you guys in Anaheim, he grabbed Chris Barch and beat the living snot out of him. Like I was stunned how lopsided it was. Um, and you mentioned Trevor Linden in Vancouver, and I found that interesting. But people forget how great in the '94 Stanley Cup Final Game Seven in New York City. He was the best player on the ice in that game. He was unbelievable for the Canucks in that game. I mean, they lost, but he was terrific. Yeah, I was I was there because I was working at the league then. I wasn't working for the Canucks, but Trevor competed um, practice games, everything the same way. He was a marvelous competitor, a driven guy. Yeah. Uh, interesting, uh, and just uh, and we'll just leave you with this because Trevor left the Canucks a couple years ago. They got a guy named Judd Brackett, who maybe we're not sure what's going on, but it's it's tied back to scouting. 
And I, I'm sensing, Brian, in maybe a week ago at this time, we thought there might be a draft uh, before a, a potential resumption of the 1920 season. I'm starting to get the gut feel that that may not occur, uh, that they may wait until they know 100% either way. Um, you know, either the season's over because they can't go back or they'll wait until after a playoff. Have you heard anything in that regard? You know, just what you said, the, the issue is they got a lot of pushback. They went to the GMs and owners and said, we want to do it June 4th. They got a lot of pushback. They've reconsidered. I still think we're going to do a draft before our playoffs begin, but uh, they're selling it a little better, I think, this time. Uh, for, for, for GMs who love control, how frustrating would, would that theoretically be? Well, very frustrating, but everyone's in the same boat. Like, it's not a competitive disadvantage. I might, I might not like it. But every gym's in the same boat I am, same condition I am. So I can't complain about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Brian, as always, we appreciate your time. You take care. Thanks, Bob. You bet. 122 in Edmonton. Do want to mention all season long on Oilers Now, we have the Oilers Now Injury Report. It's brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Jim Brown, former Edmonton Oil King. Trent Brown, of course, played for the Edmonton Eskimos and the gang. James H. Brown want you to stay safe and stay positive. We'll take a time out. This is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. All right, this, uh, you can text us 780-496-0063, Ashley Fine Floors text line. This text comes to us, Bob, about 50 years ago in Yellowknife, they had rum bond spiels. A drink after uh, every second end. <laughs> okay, well, I kind of thought that's how curling worked. That's, but thanks for that. Yes, uh, uh, there's been different types. I, I know for a certain generation, there was every time they said, hello, Bob, on the Bob Newhart show, you're supposed to have a shot. Uh, the Al Pacino, Scarface, uh, every time he... he uses a word you probably shouldn't use very often that's occasionally made its way onto our show uh you could do it as well hey uh bob why do players from europe need to quarantine when they return if they're tested and come back uh, negative and that well that's a good question that makes you wonder whether or not there might be a change to how the quarantine rules work when people travel but time will tell in that regard and you know the other thing is and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe there's listeners out there, and I'm, I'm looking for some feedback. I don't know how many people out there have actually gotten themselves tested, but I believe it's somewhere between a 36 to 48 hour, uh, res- uh, you know, length of time before you get a response on, on whether or not you get a test done. And in order for the NHL to fire up, I think we need quick testing models at that stage. Uh, and again, there's different models out there that are available in that regard. Trevor says, Bob, I'm not anti-fighting, but I do want to mention I've watched some of the best hockey at the Olympics and juniors, etc. My, res- you know what, Trevor, that's fair. Uh, however, in the current incarnation of the National Hockey League, there's still the occasional fight. Nowhere near as much, you know, um, as say the games from the '80s where there were lots of goals and lots of fights and people were often really entertained. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Bob, will the uh, laugh out loud, uh, Lorraine says, will we be, will the players be told to stop spitting on the ice and in the players box? I don't know. Don't know. 
Uh, hey, Bob, if we're going to eliminate scrums and close contacts with full face shields, again, and you just heard Berkey, like he kind of gave us the impression that's not going to happen. Some people have reported that out there, that this is something that the league would have to look at. I'm not necessarily sure it's going to happen either. Dennis says, if we're going to eliminate scrums and close contacts with face shields on NHL players, how will the NBA be allowed to function? Dennis, that is a great question. Um, Okay, and here's another drinking. Apparently, somebody said every time you hear the word Smurfs, you took a shot. Really? Man, you were up early or you just got home late, one of the two. Uh, Another text just on the Olympic comparison for the regular season is always silly, in my opinion, because as soon as you're cheering for your country versus a commercial team, the stakes are higher. Well, it's it's a different – and actually – you can make an argument at the Olympics that there's a pretty significant drop-off after about six countries, but anything can happen, right? Who was it that Canada couldn't put away? They had a ton of shots in 2014 when it was truly best on best. Was it Norway? I'm trying to think. Um, I know Germany back in 92 or 94, Peter Dreisettle stopped uh, by Sean Burke. In the uh, in the shootout it was the first ever shootout in the Olympics, and nobody expected Germany to give Canada a run. I'm trying to think in uh, 2014 who Canada had real problems with. Of course, they beat the U.S. one nothing, beat Sweden I think three nothing in the gold medal game, but they had a, a significant challenge. Maybe it was Latvia or something. Anyways, uh, it was Latvia. Thank you very much, Reed Wilkins. 129 in Edmonton. Off to a global news weather traffic update, and when we come back. He is an Edmonton sporting icon, a three-time U Sports Coach of the Year, a three-time national champion, five-time Canada West champion, now retired, but one of the fiery, most fiery and bombastic coaches around, Don Horwood on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.